Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth, my friends. This episode is called The Bridge, and it might not be what you suspect. In 1973, an author by the name of D. Keith Mano wrote his only full science fiction book, and it was called The Bridge. The story takes place in 2035. Now, that was over 60 years in the future since his publication, but it's only 12 years from today. It's about radical environmentalism run amok with a green socialist government. The government decides to give Earth back to nature. After already protecting all animal and plant life, the fact that we destroy microbes every time we breathe is the final straw. Cars have been eliminated. People have been told to return to the fields. The world is now incapable of complex technology. People know how to build airplanes, for example, but there's no tools or mechanisms to make them. Obesity, of all things, constitutes high social standing. And that's because people who manage to eat well, despite all these restrictions, are exalted. There's resistance, but it's ineffective. Resistance to what? Well, everyone, it is decided by the ruling government of the world, must commit suicide. Because we kill microbes every time we breathe, because we need to leave the world for the natural creatures, plants, and animals in it, squads are deployed to kill those who refuse to commit suicide. Everyone is issued pills, and by a certain date, they are to kill themselves. If they don't, the squads will come and kill them. After that, the squads will commit suicide, and presumably, we will get down to one last person in government who will then kill herself or himself until the earth is free of all humans and returns to what they consider a natural state. And while there is resistance, people find that they are suffering from diseases and bugs and all kinds of illnesses and incapacities that can't be treated. Bugs are found under people's skin. Rot is found. Tumors, for example, are declared an autonomous life form and cannot be removed or altered at all. They are protected. The hero of the story is a guy named Priest, and there are some interesting Catholic, or Christian, I should say, allusions in here, uh, because after all, in the Catholic religion in particular, one consumes the body and blood of Christ at Mass. And so this is considered self-destruction. It's considered, in some weird cases in the book by people, the approval of cannibalism. So priest here, you get the connection with his name, is determined not to die, but rather to find his wife. To do so, he has to cross the decayed and destroyed George Washington Bridge, hence the book's name. The bridge is a mess, of course, it hasn't been maintained. It's been partially, naturally destroyed, partially deliberately destroyed. People are not allowed to be in any competition with each other. In fact, Priest is arrested at one point for playing chess against himself, and all competition has been eliminated. There's a sign in what remains of Yankee Stadium showing that this was once a testimonial to the brutish competition 
among humans. And so priest has to somehow crawl across the remains of this bridge, hanging on vines and girders and leaping and so forth. Now, when I read this book 50 years ago, almost exactly as I'm recording this, I was six years out of undergraduate school, six years out of Rutgers, and I felt it was dystopian fiction, imaginative but implausible. I was a science fiction addict. You know, I had read all of Heinlein and Asimov and Clark and all of these great science fiction writers because one of the few things that my father read assiduously as I was growing up was science fiction and these old paperback books that he used to buy. And so I was consumed in college with coursework, but once I got out of college in 68, I picked up my casual reading again with a focus on science fiction, to which I had been uh, uh, somewhat inured. Uh, and to this day, I still read science fiction, and to this day, I've never had a book, I've never been without a book on my night table or in my briefcase or on my iPad now or whatever uh, at any time. And sometimes I'm reading three or four books at once. But I read this 50 years ago, sort of newly minted out of university. But I thought it was extraordinarily implausible. An interesting story, an interesting concept, but of course, humankind could never get to the state what would be so crazy as to commit mass suicide. This was long before Jonestown. Just yesterday, now, I read of a scientist in a scholarly journal who discussed the full life of plants, including their communications and emotions. So is it such a large leap to think that we won't be considering harm that we do to plants as we are considering now the harm that we may do to animals? We're trying to avoid overfishing. We're trying to avoid uh, animals kept in cruel and um, harsh conditions to be harvested for food. Extremism, though, is an interesting thing. Barry Goldwater was urgently warned in his presidential bid in 1964 not to say that extremism is sometimes justified. I was a senior in college, in, um, I was a freshman in college at that time. Hard to think back that long. I was a freshman in college at that time, and I had joined the student newspaper, and as sort of a cub reporter, I was later to be editor-in-chief and win a few awards, I went with my then-girlfriend, who's now my wife, to cover a Barry Goldwater convention in West Orange, New Jersey. And despite the warnings, he said, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. And he lost in a landslide to Lyndon B. Johnson. Now, my feeling is that no matter how nice something seems, no matter how justified, no matter how wonderful, no matter what the contribution, extremism takes you off the deep end. Whether it's exercise or religion or philanthropy or volunteerism or education or travel, I mean, all that's wonderful, right? You name it. But anything that takes you to extremes is likely to be terrible for you, even if moderate amounts of it are very positive for you. We find people who drop dead of the exercise of running because they run too much and they run in unusual conditions. I have worked with someone who, in a self-cure for his depression, uh, took to an exercise regimen with great, great regularity and great, great intensity and promptly got into an accident which just about killed him. And so substituting extremes in anything is not good. 
I'm predicting that the inhumane harvesting of animals will be a major and divisive cause in the near future, and it deserves to be remedied. But ending the consumption of all animals by law as a fiat is well on the way over that slope that Mano talks about in this book. Do you think you can't be arrested for harming a tree or a bush? In Providence, there are recycling police who can cite you for putting the wrong kind of plastic or food in the wrong recycling bin. A woman just petitioned the Rhode Island legislature, and I am not making this up, to make it a felony to use your fingers to pretend to point a fictitious gun at someone. When everyone's every grievance is a demand that the entire world observe and honor it, there is oppression and resultant entitlement if that's not done. And when that's not done, and when people feel that they are justified in taking extreme measures in the name of any cause, I've got news for you folks. We're heading over that slope. That's the uncomfortable truth. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.